Hello, it's Jack Tutor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guests, plural, this time, are the band Earth, Dylan Colton and Adrian Davies, two of my absolute favourite musicians. They're just about to release a new album called Full Upon Her Burning Lips, coming out May 24th on Sergeant House, which is, as you can probably tell from the artwork, which is just Adrienne and Dylan looking like absolute bosses. It's essentially taking stock of everything that they've achieved as a duo since the band relaunched in the mid-noughties. I have come to adore Dylan's playing style, the way he's refined it over the course of this second phase of the band, I guess you could say. And Adrienne is probably my favourite drummer. I mean, seriously. The way she throws her hands up in slow motion and slams them down is absolutely mesmeric to watch. I've seen Earth live a few times and it's incredible. So yeah, this is a really stripped back record and we talk about that a little bit as well. What we also talk about are three important albums, two from Dylan, one from Adrian, and I had a great time talking to both of them. I should say that the audio quality isn't 100% super duper, but you can hear everything, so it's fine. Um, so you can keep up to speed with what Earth are doing and get some more info on the new album at thronesanddominions.com. And they're about to go on tour as well. They leave on the day that the album is released, on May 24th, like I say, throughout the United States with Helms Ali. And apparently it sounds like that they're due to come over to the UK and Europe as well later on in the year. So, without any further delay, this is Earth on Crucial Listening. Dylan, hello Adrian, welcome to Crucial Listening. Hello, thank you for inviting us. Hello, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, you've brought three records between you, two from Dylan, one from Adrian. Before we get into the albums, I want to talk about your own new record, which I believe is coming out around the time that this drops as well, Fall Upon Her Burning Lips, which uh, I have been loving the hell out of over the past couple of weeks that I've uh, had the pleasure of been listening to it Um, and what's struck me as someone who's been listening to her for quite some time and I think obviously you talked about it in the press releases it's stripped back and you both sound super crisp and super clear I've seen you talk about cutting back on the effects Dylan and the drums have really come to the fore on this one as well Adrian so first question really is what led you to want to go through this process of just stripping back and cutting a lot of stuff away? Um, I think it was just like the chance to do it 
Primitive and Deadly was our last record for Southern Lord, you know, so we, you know, we're doing a new, working for a new label, and, uh, you know, we tour, did a lot of touring on that album, and, you know, I did a solo thing, so, you know, there was kind of a little break for us, and, uh, you know, it, it, I felt like, you know, I, I mean, I've, feel fortunate that I've been able to work with so many great musicians but I have always felt I don't know I just felt like it was a chance to finally show what the core of the band could do um mm. and uh and and then also I'd, I'd always felt that you know the drums were such a big part of the live sound but on record, uh, you know that when you're recording a record, you know the the and you have a lot of extra instrumentation, you know certain things get, you know you have to leave space uh, to avoid you know sounding too cluttered and and stuff. And so I never felt the 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 drums on record really like got the spotlight that it deserved and uh you know we'd been touring a lot as a trio uh so we'd already been you know sort of working in a, a smaller format and uh yeah it just felt like the time was right you know to to uh sort of like come full circle like you know we started you know and i started doing earth again back in you know 2002 it was just the two of us um and and then you know we we accrued and lost members along the way and uh it just felt like like sort of a new a new start i guess uh in many ways and and a chance to really show what the the core members uh could do so i guess uh uh, uh being a show off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to show off. <laughs> yeah. And let Adrian show off. <laughs> well, it's certainly great to have your faces so big on the cover there. It does feel like a kind of you're taking stock of what you've done together. <laughs> I mean, I've spoken to quite a few musicians and seen people talking who both hold both of you in such high regard for the way that you do things. I mean, in fact, I was speaking to faith Kalocha for this podcast just recently and she said uh, i mean she picked one of her one of your records as one of her important records and um things said that watching adrienne from the side of the stage was like drugs without drugs <laughs> uh, <laughs> she loved it um i mean i'm curious to know whether stripping back to this extent made you think any differently about the way in which you approach your instruments i mean one observation that I have is the fact that I always knew that I was compelled by the the repetition of your music, but it's not until you're confronted with little but that repetition that it really hits home that that's the thing that's drawing you in each time. And you know the the other orchestration is is lovely, but that's really at the core. That's what the you know the primal grab is. Um, so did you uh, this question for both of you but do you think about your instruments differently when it's just the two of you that are that are driving everything forward well I think I mean I think when it's the two of us like it 
I feel like it, it inspires me for you know the the riffs to be since it, since we do repetition and and stuff like that it like I always want to make sure like the riff is something that you want to hear again right. you know like I I think you know you could repeat anything but if the if the initial <coughs> musical motif or riff or whatever you want to call it isn't worth hearing again <laughs> then it, it, you know so I think it uh, in that way it, it really like forces me to really like like is this riff really worth <laughs> you know is this something worth saying and is it something worth saying over and over again and then um, for you I think it allows the drums to really be well it feels much more like a dialogue yeah. like a conversation kind of a call and response and before in a lot of the albums like you said it was so minimal serving the song Leave, yeah. leaving as much space as possible for our, all the layering but on this album it's like I didn't I was able to be super present with the with the drums and have them in the forefront and have them catchy and like little little musical statements and and questions and answers with the drums kind of being a leading yeah. voice yeah the drums yeah. are 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 doing almost riffs as well along with right with the guitar so it's like they're both they're both catchy yeah. like for lack I mean for lack of a better term like uh, to me it's like a, a riff needs to be catchy you know there needs to be a hook it needs to be like interesting uh, and and something that you want to hear again you know and, and there's still yeah. there's still a restraint on, on my side. I mean, it's Earth, so yeah, you can't just do every single thing you think you want to do. But but yeah. I was able to just not hold back and just kind of really come forward with it, and uh, just kind of lead it more instead of just kind of uh, supporting it and and just being more uh, directly of the conversation and the back and forth response of the two you know the two instruments. I have seen it as well referred to this record. I think it was you, Dylan, saying that it's the fullest expression and purest distillation of what Earth does since you restarted the band. I mean, that seems to imply that there is something there to which you have been perhaps striving or, or aiming for. And this is, you know, the, the, the ultimate uh, expression of that, as you've said. So what is it about this record that makes that? statement true um i think just i feel like i've absorbed like all my influences and what i do is is me and what earth does is what earth does like it's it's like like i think early on you I mean, it's a natural thing, I think, you know, as you absorb musical influences, uh, you know, I think earlier on you tend to sound more like your influences in a way. To kind of unintentionally mm -hmm. emulate yeah, them. Yeah, you like unintentionally emulate <laughs> them and, and 
and to me the goal has always been to like synthesize those influences and to when I present it it be my voice not you know I mean I don't think Earth's ever been guilty of doing like a genre record you know I mean like but you know like I mean Hex like there was an obvious country influence on on Hex whereas I feel like that influence is still there but it's not like it's not as explicit it's like it's been fully digested or absorbed and become part of what I do assimilated or something yeah assimilated um you know and uh like before I mean before I'd like I'd think of records like you know oh Hex I thought of is like oh that's our country record even though you know it's really not but (laughs) that's how I thought of it and then you know Bees was like our San Francisco psychedelic record um even though you know it's its own thing but like this record it's it's like it's just earth it's just what earth does like you know, I, I just feel like it's there's there's no obvious statement of influences. It's just this yeah. is the music we make, and this is the music we or this is what we do, and what no one else does, and why we're Earth. And this album kind of has more of a, a hip shake and like a confident <laughs> swagger to it. It's, yeah, it's got a little yeah, bit of I a feel, like. Yeah, Almost I feel like very thing going, like a vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I definitely feel it's it's our most it's con yeah confident sounding like there's no holding back. It's like uh, and we had a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> it was <and> really fun. <laughs> I think uh, people are going to be super excited to see you on the road with this music as well because I having seen you a few times over the years, I think. From my side, I've seen the swagger grow. Uh, <laughs> the booty shakes getting more pronounced as you're going. So I think, you know, people are going to love this. As the drums got bigger and the amps got smaller. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're playing some shows, aren't you? Um, uh, I mean, shortly after this record comes out. Yeah, the, our, our, the, the tour, st- the US tour starts the day the album drops. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll be out for uh, a little over a month, uh, starting May 24th, um, and then uh, hopefully it looks like Europe and the UK will probably be November-ish, December. Well, I'll um, put a link to your website, and I should say that all tour dates are on there, so yeah, people definitely go and check out earth when they come near you uh, so the records that you've picked today for crucial listening so like i say dylan you've picked two adrian you've picked one i've been intrigued to know first off I, you know i ask people to pick important records and there are a lot of ways of slicing the term important and you know thinking about it and i'm sure you could pick a different record each time yeah I'm aware that that can be uh, difficult sometimes. But, I mean, what was the way in which that you thought about the term important, both of you, when selecting your records? Um, For me, it is records that I feel really affected 
the way I hear and see music and influenced the way uh, I view my instrument and how I play, I guess, was, is how, sort of the, the way I... That was my sort of guiding, <laughs> guiding principle. Like, records that really, I mean, were influential and but in a very deep way and in that it it totally altered my perceptions of 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 music and uh for me i kind of cheated i went with a double album (laughs) since i can only pick one and i just thought it was a really uh good example i mean there's one drummer on the on the first album. There's a second drummer on the second album. The two part, uh, Lear of Orpheus and Abattoir Blues. Um, Thomas Weidler and Jim Sclavonius. Uh And Jim is more uh, kind of raucous, you know, rock and roll, just re- much more aggressive kind of on the first album. And Thomas Weidler on the second album. It just shows two of my favorite styles of drumming because he's so, it's so delicate and intimate and emotionally like potent. You, just the the feel of the recording and how the drums are and the percussion is so integral to the emotional intent of the songs and I think they both so, serve the songs really well. So it's yeah. the similar, I guess. You yeah. chose it because it it is how you view how you view your instrument. Yeah, and the different sides of kind of how recording can kind of capture a moment and an intent and a feeling. So. Let's turn to the record specifically then. So Dylan, if you could give me the name of your first important record. Uh, Starless and Bible Black by King Crimson. So why is this one in particular important to you? That one, I mean, it just really changed. It really just showed me what rock and roll can be. Like Mm -hmm. that it's not, (laughs) that it can be something completely different than you know a shuffle and a shuffle beat and a a, a, you know a 12 bar (laughs) and a one four five chord progression and and you know i mean it 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 really transcends the riff yeah i mean it just really (laughs) changed what you know is rock music or can be rock music um and then uh especially uh the two longer tracks uh fracture and starless and then the other one trio that are the improvised tracks like just totally i realized improvisation could be so much more than you know it's like I feel like as a musician when you're when you're learning your instrument it's like improvisation is sort of held out as this like you know ultimate like pinnacle and like this mysterious realm that only the the elect are allowed in you know and like <laughs> and 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 you know it's sort of I feel like there's a lot of needless sort of bs around it um and uh and it, it i think it turns a lot of people off from <laughs> from attempting <laughs> it and experiencing it um and and so that uh you know that really just was like 
I don't know, it just really was like, oh, okay, so this is, you know, this is what you can do, you know, there is no limit or set way of doing it or, you know, no, there's no proper way <laughs> to do it, I guess you can say. So yeah, that, I mean, that, 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 that record, yeah, that just really, like, it was one of those times where I hear a record and I'm just totally, like, just, you know, like I said, my whole... Like restructures your DNA. Yeah, restructures. Yeah, <laughs> your, your your mind and and your approach to to music and what music can be and and uh, uh, you know what you can do with your instrument and and you know uh, it's very liberating, I guess you could say. Do you remember that first time you heard it, like where you were or how you came into the record? Um, yeah, I was in. I think it was like I had lived in Olympia and I had been in a band and then uh, I was dissatisfied with it and we broke up and I went back to Seattle for a year to kind of just whatever, get my mind together. Um, and to and then I I was also quite dissatisfied with my playing so I was like doing a lot of woodshedding. Um, and, uh, I had picked up the record, uh, and, uh, cause, you know, I mean, I'd heard, like, you know, the first King Crimson record, and, and I had, I had liked them, so, you know, I was, I think I was, you know, just whatever, doing some retail therapy, and <laughs> just picked it up, cause I knew the name of the band, and, uh, so yeah, it would have been yeah. Uh, I think it was that year I was back living back at home uh, uh, with my mom and uh, just basically not doing anything but practicing guitar and and uh, being a loser. <laughs> but you know, with the idea though, you know, I I still you know was. I was trying to get my guitar playing better and, you know, for, because I still wanted to do music and I still wanted to do another band, but I was hoping to, you know, approach it from a better angle next time. Uh, And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I imagine coming into this record and having those thoughts in mind and hearing the way that it starts. I mean, I hadn't heard this record before. But it's like straight out of the gate. Yeah, uh, I thought that maybe a bit had got chopped off at the beginning or something. <laughs> yeah, it's so eager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That o- the opening track is just like pretty balls out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about restraint earlier as well because I was reading about that trio piece and the fact that drummer Bill Bruford was waiting for a moment to come in mm-hmm. <laughs> and then never found one and yeah. then this is like fine <laughs> sometimes that's yeah. the best choice yep. you don't always have, right. to have drums on everything yeah but yeah, yeah. no that's I mean that's what uh, the, 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 that was one of the things I, I like like that like oh sometimes it's better to not <laughs> yeah. not 
dues. <laughs> what you don't play you can, can hold. be is more important what you do play yeah, sometimes. Yeah, the silence right. can be as important as the notes. <laughs> Adrian, let's go to your record now, if you could give me the, the name of it. All right. Uh, well, I went with uh, Abattoir Blues, The Lear of Orpheus. Uh, it came out in 2004. It was The Bad Seeds. Nice. And you mentioned that the fact that there's two drummers on the record and their differing styles and the way that they played was particularly important to you. I mean, is that the, the primary reason why this record really sticks out in your mind when you think of important records? Well, yeah, and I, I tend to lean towards the Lear of Orpheus because it's just, it's so unique in the way that uh, uh, Thomas Wielder was, like, using kind of jazz flourishes and just such a delicate restraint to the whole, everything he played on on that. that and, and when I'm listening to the album, I usually will start it breathless and just put it on cycle and just keep coming all the way from breathless down on the second uh, album on Lear of Orpheus. Um, just because wow. it, it's just so... Um, it just sucks you in, and it's so soothing, but uh, just the way that the everyone is just delicately, without without it seeming like too structured or too, it's just very, um, the, the emotional feel from it is just like so solid, and so it, it conveys itself so well. And it's just beautiful music. <laughs> and I just think as a, whoever's, everyone that's playing together, it's like one voice. It's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, so I, I love that album. It is interesting because I heard it for the first time today. I had it on and um, listened through both parts. And am I right? And so so I think you, you mentioned this, but is it just the drummers that are different on both records? From what I can tell, don't quote me on this. From what I can sure. tell, I believe it's pretty much the same, all the same band, the same uh, people. But the big difference is the Jim on the first, uh, on Abattoir Blues and uh, Tomas on... Uh, on Lear of Orpheus and I guess wow. I wonder if maybe they just had two different albums and just let's put it together and you know but separate them you know uh but whatever what I don't know having no idea what the reasoning was behind it but I just know I love the effect and it, it's just so cool how distinctly different they are but they go together so well, well. and distinctly different mainly because of the drums, which is amazing yeah because usually right. drum, drums can be a very non-personal kind of non-humanistic instrument as opposed to guitar or voice or you know like other instruments that are much more uh like the person comes through with them um and that's why i'm so into drummers that can you can just tell oh that's that's levon home that's jim keltner that there's you know like whoever you can just but they you, have yeah. a voice yeah, you're hitting the, the distinct voice that comes through the instrument. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing the fact that it appears that the drummer has so much power here, whether it's true or not, but the <laughs> the whole direction of the material is, is you know, orchestrated from the kit outwards. I mean, that's totally amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting as well. You start from so you start from Breathless, which isn't the first track. It on isn't the, record, the first right? track. <laughs> Not that I'm dissing the first track, but just for emotional like continuity and to get me in the right mood, I always start with Breathless. 
<laughs> and do you remember the first time you heard this double album? I think I heard it when it came out, and uh, sometimes with them it's like a slow grow. It doesn't, it, it it doesn't always get me right off the bat, you know. But I'll usually end up going, oh, I had a great album later. Uh, but this one was mm. like right away. I just I was like, wow, this is just a great album, you know. And I've never grown <laughs> sick of it since then. Amazing. And when you think of like experiences of listening to this record, uh, I mean, are there particular places? or situations that come to mind when you, you know, imagine, think back to times that you've listened to the album. Oh, yeah. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> on tour. <laughs> it, it, it's like anytime anything's hectic in my life or I'm bored out of my mind or I'm, you know, waiting on tour in a van, whatever, I put that on and it just takes me to my happy place. <laughs> and it's just, it oh, just wow. sounds so soothing. And it's just like this other world of like ethereal beauty and just delicate um, peace. And it just takes me there every time. And very very good album <laughs> and um you i mean you've played with or opened for nick cave right i think in 2008 i don't know if there's been other times as well yeah we did two shows with them in seattle uh, we would have loved to have done the west coast tour but at the time <laughs> yeah. that we weren't able to do that unfortunately yeah. but uh yeah no that was uh that was those were really good fun shows very yeah, good shows and they were super sweet sweet they're, guys yeah they're really nice um uh, particularly Thomas and yeah. uh, and Jim and uh, Warren Ellis, they were all super nice. I mean, the fact as well that this is a, a double album. I mean, I always find double albums so interesting because, I mean, like like you say, Adrian, it's like maybe they just had two records and were like, well, you know, we can save on you know jewel case expenses. But uh, it it feels. I mean, it always feels to me when I listen to a double album, I'm so aware of the dialogue between the two sides and how they complete each other and where they counterbalance and 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 all this kind of thing i mean you've obviously put out your own double record as well uh angels of darkness demons of light i mean how is it that you thought about the double album in that context because it is such a i mean you you i know you staggered the release for that one but the fact that they shared a common title, obviously. Well, those were also were we did it. Those were all mm. recorded in the same session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, um, I mean, we theoretically could have put the put it all out at the same time, but it would have been, you know, on vinyl. It would have been, you know, six <laughs> or eight <laughs> discs and like. <laughs> And so, like, you know, that would have been, like, uh, the realities of, of uh, the hard realities of manufacturing and, and, and costs <laughs> reared, reared, reared their ugly head, as they so often do in, in, <laughs> in uh, the music business. Um, and it would have been, you know, I mean, it would have been, like, a on vinyl, it would have been like a box set yeah. instead of a double album. <laughs> yeah. Fair. So double album by virtue of administration, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but that—that's—I mean—that's how uh, that's how our double album, I guess you could say, came about. Is that it was, uh, um, you know, I mean, it's funny now because, like, I mean, in the old days, like. You know, if you look like all the great records, you know, 
they were like max like 35 40 minutes mm-hmm. but you know right. because of yeah. cd now the expectation is like oh it's got to be a full at least an hour of new music every time and like <laughs> it doesn't so, matter if like, half of it's filler yeah <laughs> but and, it's got right. and and so you know and then every record is now a two lp set and you know it's just mm-hmm. like it's really kind of it's it's kind of like you know uh it's not it's not the same as like you know when bands did a double record and it was like a big deal and it was like kind of special and like you know and right. and it's like now it's like everyone expects two LPs of 180 gram vinyl and like <laughs> you know what do you mean it's only one disc what do you mean it's under an hour kind of like you know it's like and it, I feel it's like it's kind of like with recording technology now it's like okay with Pro Tools you have an infinite number of tracks but that doesn't mean you should use them <laughs> you know it's like like this sort of like oh we have to fill it's like this it's like a weird I don't know it's this weird like value for money kind of mentality mm-hmm. that is being applied mm-hmm. to like what it shouldn't be you know it's like if you only have 40 minutes of good music then 40 minutes is what it should be you shouldn't try to just fill you know well i uh, you know i mean i i i mean the the person saying this like earth 2 was created (laughs) to fill a full cd back in the day but but anyway um (laughs) <laughs> but uh um but you know i just feel like it's just like you know and like with recording especially it's like mm-hmm. just because you have that many you know and, and so you can put a bazillion tracks on doesn't mean you should like it's just like <laughs> everything just sounds so cluttered to me nowadays so many recordings it's just like you know well that's one reason why albums that um tell a story and that like have a beginning a middle there's an album arc yeah and there's like a really mm-hmm. uh kind of cohesive uh intent behind each each thing is put you know every song kind of leads into the next yeah there's an or and, there's a reason for yeah, the there's order there's a build there's a gradual yeah. you know there i love that and it's like i think with modern recording sometimes that get, 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 yeah. know, gets lost yeah. and we always try really hard or that's important to us when recording to kind of yeah to have, have the album be yeah. its own not you know each song you know but also have it build and have it we pay really close attention to like which song comes next and yeah you know trying to keep yeah. listening to the whole album from start to finish in mind when we yeah yeah rather than that's, oh here's here's the, a single here's the single <laughs> yeah. up front and here's then a bunch of filler and here's yeah yeah. <laughs> it's so fascinating to hear you say that and then obviously you know like i say again the fact that you um start with breathless on the lyre of orpheus as well i think um that that's brilliant i mean i love the idea as well because obviously that is a double album with such distinct sides you're going out the end of one half and then coming back in through another and what a you know, a fascinating way to listen through a record. I mean, yeah, it's whatever you like, right? <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like I—I I don't remember the record, but there was one record I liked, but I didn't totally like the order. 
So I remember recording it on cassette, like, in the order I thought it should be. (laughs) (laughs) Order's important. It's so important. I mean, even if all the songs are great, but they're out of order, they're... It throws everything... It skews it, you know? Put it the way you like it. Well, yeah, I mean, to me, the great records are great because the... And, like, the order is great as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one big problem with digital music now is that my phone seems to think it's a bit of a curator for anything that I put on a playlist. It reorders. So I've had, you know, five listens to a record and then realized that, wait, this is actually the last track. <laughs> uh, it's, it's randomly, it's doing the random thing, yeah. The shuffle. The, sh- yeah. the shuffle has become the bane of album listening. Still your mind Still your soul For still the fire Of the love is true And I am a breathless Without you The wind circles among the Well we got one more record here Dylan uh, it's one of yours so if you could give me the name of it and then also uh, a little bit about why it's important to you as well um this one is kind of hard because uh, i'll just say band of gypsies by hendrix and the band of gypsies although i guess i'm cheating a bit because i'm including the 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 live at the fillmore east versions uh like the the original (laughs) record was comprised of tracks from both shows and then they released because you know they're releasing everything they can find um they've you know redone them with as the you know the two shows uh in their entirety um i mean even the original version i'll just go with that band of gypsies um this one was hard because i i absolutely love hendrix um and trying to pick just one is really difficult. And then it's also kind of funny because I like Mitch Mitchell's drumming better than Buddy Miles. But uh, but uh, I really like the songs on this one, uh, like "Hear My Train It Coming" and "Band" and "Machine Gun" uh, mm. specifically. Um, and then, uh, I loved the guitar tone that Hendrix had on the, those shows. Um, so I guess these are, this is kind of my guitar nerd (laughs) choice. Um, but, uh, I mean, Hendrix is important to me. Um, he, him and, and also Buzz Osborne, um, were important to me because they were basically the first two guitarists that really, really showed me that the electric guitar is not just an amplified acoustic guitar and that the amp Mm. is part of it. Like, it's a whole... The instrument is the guitar and the amplifier, and that and that the guitar and the amp create this whole sort of field of music or this realm or this feel. I guess I think of it more as like a field, like a, a 
field of music or force between the two that can be shaped and mm. and that it's it's you know it's not just about like playing the notes on the fretboard and the notes coming out of the amp that there's this whole dynamic area between the guitar and the amplifier that is creates music and creates sound and and that can be shaped it's and exponentially and, more than the sum of its parts yeah yeah it's de- <laughs> right. it's, it's it's more than it, yeah it's a geometric relation it's it's not 1 plus 1 equals 2 it's you know and uh, there's infinite possibilities within that that field so yeah that's yeah. that's why that record uh is important to me uh or why hendrix is important to me because i yeah he just you know was i mean he was just like playing mute i mean music was just like flowing you know what i mean he could it was like yeah it, it was just it's just flowing was that what struck you when you first heard hendrix just like the emotion that you could feel yeah yeah that you didn't feel from other people playing yeah okay. yeah i mean just really like so clear yeah yeah and just like the mm. fact that you know no one sounds like him, you know what I mean? His voice is completely unique, you know, and mm-hmm. I mean, you can buy all the gear that you want, but it's like, <laughs> you're not, that. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that, that uh, it, it made me realize, like, the whole idea of, like, trying to emulate someone is, like, you, you not, it's like you... Are, are going to sound like you <laughs> it's like you have <laughs> you, you have a voice and you need to cultivate that don't spend all your time trying to be someone else you know yeah um those moments where he's like um he's singing so i haven't listened to loads of hendrix right so i probably still speak like someone who you know thinks he's a new hip thing but <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean the moments where he sings and plays guitar at the same time and it's like this it's almost as though talk, talking for you know it's as much a reflex to talk through the guitar as it is for his voice and sometimes the same signal splits and goes to hands and mouth simultaneously it's, yeah no, uh, I love that that's like my favorite uh, thing was is when he does that when you can hear him singing the guitar parts and like and uh and it's interesting because there was another guitar player I was reading about. I can't remember which one right now, but that that was one of his things that he, as his <laughs> advice, is like, you should be able to sing your solos, you know. And and I I find like that's the it, he was talking about like voicing and and phrasing um, and how so many guitar players especially now in this modern era where like it seems like technique is like worshipped and why like the whole shred guitar thing just drives me batshit it's like it's like it's not an athletic event yeah it's not an (laughs) athletic event and and it's like if you're if you're not phrasing 
you're not making music. You're just doing calisthenics, you know? Um, (laughs) And it's just like, and that's, I mean, that's to me always been like sort of the weakness of the guitar is like, you, you know, because you don't have to take a breath or, you know, you can just go (laughs) (laughs) and but then it just it's like I don't know it's just like one of those weird pet peeves of mine I guess Um, my grumpy old man (laughs) moment Um, it's just like you know like learn some phrasing like you know like it's it's so exciting to pick up I think this is true of guitar and drums in fact but to just pick up the instrument for the first time and be so much louder than you could be if you screamed or clapped your hands and it's very addictive to begin with i mean i'm i'm curious for the both of you is that do you remember that feeling and do you remember when things started to change where you thought actually do you know what it's kind of cool to be economical with this new power i found <laughs> as well um i mean i guess it sort of happened for me like when I started Earth, I mean, I, 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 I can't, I, I start, you know, when I started Earth, it was my third attempt at a band, and I had very strong conceptual ideas about what I wanted to do, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've always been, I don't know, uh, I don't know why, but I, I just have always been an admirer of (laughs) of restraint (laughs) maybe it's some like atavistic uh you know some grim presbyterian protestant (laughs) genes from somewhere in my past or something i don't know the calvinist it's the same tendencies and the same reason why we can't handle bebop you know or like really 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 (laughs) intense you know crazy music i just i feel like my brain's gonna have an aneurysm and like i i really it makes me feel physically bad when when, when stuff's too kinetic and too like chord changes everywhere and just all this it's just too much um i love simplicity and where it just has a yeah it it soothes me well (laughs) i guess it's funny because technically like a, a a note is a very simple Sign, you know, waveform and hmm. noise is a very complex waveform. So it's almost like the more complex something is, the less musical and the closer to noise it becomes. Right. Yeah. I also think, um, and this is underscored by your record, I think, that there is an inherent complexity to even simple gestures. You know, I was listening back to your record earlier. And you can dig so deep into just, you know, one guitar note doubled up. And when there's nothing else to pull your attention over to the left or the right, you realize that everything is kind of rippling and undulating and changing. Even, you know, you just pluck the string once. So much happens. It's not always the case that that complexity then needs to be compounded by an endless drum solo or yeah. <laughs> 20 minute shred you know yeah. yeah yeah no i mean that's what i love too about you know i mean that's what i love about electric guitar it's like you know the you've got the note has all this like 
harmonic enrichment, you know, going on because of the interaction of the instrument and the amplifier and 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 you know the effects and 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 it it deepens the the interest in the mm. in in each note. And and then I also think that way, you know, every note becomes important or more important if there's there if they're not if you're not throwing a flurry of stuff at at, at people then like you know, each note has a gravitas to it. I wonder whether that was playing into your mind when in fact I, I read recently, well today in fact, that you played a a Jimi Hendrix cover for 41, 45 minutes straight, I think, at a music festival in New York. Yeah, it was not a popular idea back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, Adrian, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. It's been great to, I mean, talk about your new record, but also to be enlightened to some of your own favourites as well. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. And if people want to keep up to speed with what you're doing, like I say, I'll put a link in the show notes as well, but where's the best place for them to be headed online? I guess our website, uh, thronesanddominions.com. And then Earth Seattle is our, uh, all our social media stuff. Twitter, iGram, Facebook, uh, Bandcamp, etc., etc. Brill. Great. Well, thanks once again. And uh, to everyone listening, I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>